welcome to another episode of Control Alt Speak, the podcast from Bespoke Computing. Um, for those of you that don't know my voice or see my face if we're publishing the video, I am Chris Pallet from Bespoke Computing. And today I'm joined by the amazing Karen Turner from Imagine Training. Hi Karen, how are you? Hi Chris, I'm good, thank you. Good. Oh God, I don't know how I don't know how long you and I have known and been working with each other, but for the benefit of the listeners that might not be familiar with with Imagine Training, you know, what, how do, how do you describe yourself? If you're in, you, you're meeting your friends on the pub, hi Karen, what do you do? Oh well, I always lie and <laughs> I always <laughs> lie and say something funny um, because it doesn't sound very interesting, does it? To say that you you work in IT, I think that's that's perceived as being quite boring. But us geeks, we love it. Um, <laughs> I I teach people, and this is what I do, and. Uh, Obviously, there's a lot more to my job than that. But at heart, that's what I am. I'm a teacher. So I, I spend my life explaining how things work to people and trying to work out for them what's the best way for them to do something. So it's not dissimilar to your own job. You know, you're also looking at solutions for people. Um, maybe you provide them more than explain them. But I actually break things down for people and and talk to them about, you know, how they're going to get around it step by step themselves rather than do it for them. I think even even with with what we do, Karen, it's not so much doing it for them. We still have to we still have to put that time and that effort into understanding what people are trying to achieve. And I know even down to some of the conversations you and I have had about your stuff about the best ways to make. And I mean, you're obviously teaching and preaching on the the good stuff that is Microsoft products, but even still in terms of engineering your own systems to run your business those conversations still still need to be had and absolutely i think it's almost it's almost saying actually we don't work in it well we do work in it but we don't work in it we're we're communicators we are trying to figure out how how people tick how they think how how they in your case how they learn how to interact with people to then figure out what is it that they're trying to do and ultimately and this this is one of the things that I love about my job is I get to understand what people's businesses are about and yes. how how the business owners want their businesses to work so mm-hmm. that then I can say okay well if we approach it like this this and this we can get you some technology and then Karen show them how to use it yeah absolutely well you know what um another way i answer that question is i think i'm a change management consultant because people often need to change their processes and what i do is i save them time so i can always work out a quicker way for them to do things that they do often every day and i actually had somebody who was um working in a company as an improvement manager did me a lovely little video testimonial he checked what the productivity result was of my training for two levels of excel courses and i saved people 30 minutes a day blimey i know how big was the, how big was the team um well it was they he he did the study over all the people in their company who'd done both level one and level two excel yeah. and they were people who used excel a lot so i'm not saying that would be true of everybody because some people only tinker with it but people who use it all day um, they're just stunned when they come into a lesson and they find that there's a quicker way of doing it that can save them three, four, five clicks. And that adds up. And it, it literally confirmed what we thought. We thought that was probably the case, but 30 minutes a day is massive, isn't it? It's two and a half hours a week, everybody who's trained. But that's ongoing forever. Um, yeah. And you get a lot of frustration comes out in people. Um, it, it's not unknown for people to swear in my classes. 
And, <laughs> I said, oh, <laughs> and, yeah. and what's annoyed them is they just discovered that last week they spent the whole week doing something that I could show them to do in five minutes. And that just drives them crazy. But at least we get them sorted. I I, I apologise for showing them something decent, but <laughs> yeah, I I had um I was in visiting a customer a few years back, and um I cut and her name her name escapes me, but she was um a digital marketer, oh. and she'd never done a pivot table. Oh wow. She'd never done a pivot table and pulled up Excel, whacked a few rows of data in, clicked on pivot dragged and dropped and I'm like well have you ever not considered anything like this and honestly face face dropped it's amazing isn't it and and the thing is there's so many different skill levels out there um something I'm really really aware of so I try to group people so that they come into the right level of course and sometimes it ends up being a little bit of an argument with some companies because they want to skip levels because they say oh somebody's been using this program for years they don't need to start on level one. And I go, well, let's just do this little quiz with them and see if they can do it. And then I can prove it to them because if they can't yeah. do it, they need training on that that level. Yeah. Um, you know, and you've given me a, a perfect sort of subject there with pivot tables because some people won't know they exist. Yeah. Some people would never use them. Other people will find them so useful. It will transform the way they work. And then some people who've been using them for years will be amazed to see that we can now start to combine different files into the same pivot table. So the the business intelligence side of things yeah. is, is just it's it's exploding. People have got a lot of data out there. Um, I remember the first person I ever taught who used every row in his spreadsheet, and uh, he was a chief executive of a, a not a far away from us law firm actually. And um, I was quite impressed. He was the first human I'd met who did it because I knew it was possible to do it. But yeah. there are one million forty eight thousand five hundred seventy six rows in a spreadsheet. Okay. Well, he filled them all. And then years later, I was teaching some data analysts. And again, this was a bit nerve wracking because these guys are experts. That's what they do every day. And yeah. they their customer was a big plumbing company and they had to combine 100 spreadsheets, which were full. And they came to me and said, Karen, can you help with this? And I did it. It took me a couple of hours because of the processing power needed. But I combined them so I can tell you from personal experience, you can actually put 104 million rows into one spreadsheet. <laughs> I think I think this is probably quite timely actually to talk about spreadsheets and the number of rows. Um, so last week, week before, there was obviously um, for the benefit of the listeners and context, we're what are we? We're the end of October, so we've had six months of global pandemic, and then two weeks ago, there's that revelation that somebody somewhere has been using Excel to report their statistics. Excel cock up was it eighteen thousand rows. Gone. 16, 16 and a half thousand and that's okay. actually quite interesting why it's 16 and a half thousand I've got a theory about that okay well I think we've, we'll, I'd like to hear that theory but I think the thing there is I think the big thing there is the right tools for the right job yes yes and if you've got if you've got 10 <laughs> Excel spreadsheets and every single row is populated why was it in Excel it should have been in a database. It Absolutely, should have been in a database. database. And it should have been a relation, relational database because what they were trying to do was contact tracing. So when they got one contact, they needed to have um, a relationship to the other people they might have been in contact with to contact them. And they needed all the contact details for all those people to fill in. It's obviously yeah. a database. It's not a spreadsheet. Yeah, but they, they actually committed a crime against spreadsheets because I think what they did was... <laughs> 
an old version, a really old version, not like just the last version, but a really ancient version of Excel. And yep. instead of putting the data down the rows, they put them across the columns. Thank and that's you. why it was 16,500. That's my theory. I, I, I have discussions with people around the world about this because I don't know yep. if you know this. You're probably not as geeky as me, but it was actually spreadsheet day last uh, Saturday. On that's the very geeky, Karen. I can't. I'm, I'm not. Even if I did know that, I'm not going to admit to it. <laughs> and you've still got me. You've still got me against crimes against the spreadsheet. The Excel police are coming to get you. <laughs> oh, absolutely. But I mean, it, it's just having watched the evolution of it. You know, saying it was spreadsheet day. This this big global event happened where all the people who are interested that deeply interested in spreadsheets got together and the guy who invented the very first spreadsheet VisiCalc was there and uh, I used to teach that and they, and there were other people there who taught who kind of came up with other products like SuperCalc and that's you know we're talking about nearly 30 years ago these yeah, products. Yeah I remember SuperCalc that was yeah and uh, oh god what was the other one Lotus 123 as well. 123 was after that and then Microsoft invented excel and then they never yeah, really works well let's not forget oh, works. Yeah, works. microsoft works i used to teach that in the college oh yeah. my goodness yeah yeah, yeah. the claim qualifications because you had to do both excel and word um i think you had to do a bit of access database in those days yeah i don't even think there was email chris <laughs> no, no 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 i don't think it, I, I remember when i first when i first went into industry email was a privilege um, to be fair, even internet access was a privilege. Not everybody had, you know, well, I mean, this is showing my age now. We had coaxial networks um, running uh, IPX, SPX, uh, you know, TC nobody, nobody had, we didn't even have TCP IP turned on on the network. Oh. And then and then they got the internet connection and it was, it was a pair of ISDN channels. So we had an ISDN connection to the internet. So what was that, 128K connection? and an entire slash 24 so 255 ip addresses public ip addresses allocated to this isdn connection which was that was just crazy and then every computer on the network was given this public internet address so the whole office was publicly exposed to the outside world that's like what you wouldn't even dream about doing that these days you know what, I, I remember the first time I had to work with a dot matrix printer in a training room and we had wires going between everybody's computer and this dot, and we had to explain to them about it. Um, and you think about the quality of that, how awful that was. Um, and then we got to the stage where we started all using printers so much and we've got yeah. laser printers or colour laser printers. Oh, the quality was yeah. great and you didn't have to have a wire. And now we've kind of gone full circle to the stage where people are working from home and quite a lot of the time they're not even printing stuff out. You know, they're just sending it, you know, which, which is yeah. the way it is at the moment. And, um, you know, that must be having a huge impact on the amount of paper and toner and so on that we're using because people are yeah. just sending things and looking at them electronically. So we've got to have it looking pretty then, haven't we? We've got to yeah. have it looking great. Yeah, absolutely. Although it's still it's still in recent years, I'd say in the last in the last five, ten years, we have sold a dot matrix printer or two. Have you? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've... Um, I think the last the last one that I sold was uh, it was a line printer on a Weybridge for for, for doing waste transfers. So because yeah. of running stuff through the printer in yeah. duplicate and triplicate. Yeah, they so, needed that multi multi layer paper. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. Whereas I guess if you were going to do that on a layer laser printer, you'd just print off three copies, wouldn't you? Yeah. 
Well, that's right. And I mean, that sort of thing holds back some even big global companies from upgrading sometimes. Um, I can yeah. think of one customer of mine where they said to me, oh, no, we can't come off um, Office 2010 because we've got a machine on the shop floor that needs to do this, run this program, and they haven't updated it. So we can't change our whole system. And I said to them, yes, you can. <laughs> you know, yeah. well, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of that going on. Um, I had a conversation. Do you remember when uh, WannaCry? Uh, what was that? It must have been three yeah. or four years now, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. And um, that was North Korea. That was. Was that the North Koreans? Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you why I know. And that's why I'm saying it fairly certainly. I, I did some um, seminars on stage with right. um, a company called FireEye, who are cyber security experts. And that's right. Um, my friend know. Neil. Yeah, he. Yeah, I was expecting you to say you were on stage with King Johnny L. <laughs> <laughs> Now I was on stage with Neil, who, who is awesome and just as terrifying because he said to everybody in the room, if I wanted to, I could hack into your phones now because you've all just logged on to the Wi-Fi in this building. And I went, <laughs> um, you know, he was he was a he was a very clever speaker, very, um, very off the cuff guy. And while we were waiting to talk, we were talking about the WannaCry and he said, oh, yeah, he said one of our customers is Sony and um, they hacked into them because they were cross about that film that was made. Do you remember yep. that film? And it was mocking King John Un. So he set his cyber security um, classic. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Just look out, wear a bulletproof vest when you come out of the cinema if you go in there. <laughs> oh, <laughs> pick you off. I know. Well, I mean, there's there's lots of people who are out there trying to get you. That's one of your pet subjects, isn't it? You know, um, all the all the different cyber security people because you know i weave a bit of cyber security into my excel courses so um when yeah. i'm teaching people on the second level i start talking to them about it to make sure that um we're talking about protecting the worksheets and making sure people can't deliberately or accidentally mess up their spreadsheets and particularly their formulas and stuff like that so i'm going yeah. through that so i set the scene by showing them all the cyber attacks that are going on in the world and why we need to protect things but yeah. also saying to them let's not go mad here and lock everything up so that you can't use it Let's not get to that state, you know. So you are the front line there with the companies, the bigger companies. You can protect them, can't you? Yeah, absolutely. And certainly, certainly the mantra that you have to take with it is um, so. So when I talk to when I talk to businesses about cybersecurity, um, I take the view that there's there's three. It's a three pronged attack uh, with it. Or the the old Roman temples where you've got the pillars and then you've got the roof. And there's three pillars to to cybersecurity, and um, the first one is about policies and procedures. Uh, the second, so basically laying out your rule books. Your second one is about training and education, and making sure that people know what to look for, what's going on. And then only then the, the third one is your technical measures. So things like have you got antivirus? Have you got web filtering? Are you doing your updates? That sort of thing. So yeah, ever so ever so important that actually from an IT point of view, from a from a technical what I do in terms of going and beating people with a stick to keep them secure, that's one third, mm. one third of that picture. Yeah. Um, so definitely, you. I don't think people spend enough time talking about it. I don't think people. Uh, I think people do need more education. What you're saying is absolutely right, is if you put too many barriers and obstacles in the way, so whether you're doing your protection on your sheets or whatever, there comes a point, if you take it too far, people won't bother, they'll lose interest, or worse than that, they'll, 
they'll just find a workaround and then you're in a whole world of pain with with yeah. what we call shadow IT um, yeah. where people have gone and done their own things and then suddenly little Johnny in accounts has got some spreadsheet unrestricted spreadsheet with, with a load of stuff on because the, the main system's too too tied down and then yeah. you have a data breach or little Johnny leaves or, or something and you're like oh my god what what do you do? Well, it's, it's like, you know, I've been mentioning this in my classes for years. And um, to my to my horror, once I discovered in the newspaper that um, somebody I taught had been jailed for fraud with spreadsheets. And I thought, oh, hope it wasn't something I told her, but it wasn't. Um, and there's a lot of, <laughs> yeah, well, there's a lot of fraud goes on and people people will do all sorts of things. So that's another thing that I've been looking into recently because it's still a hot topic. You know, yep. what should you be putting into your spreadsheets as safeguards? And there's lots of tools built into Excel, for example, where you can audit the spreadsheets and, and you can check what people are doing because some of the silly things they'll do, you know, they'll even change colours on things so that when you look at it, you glance at it as a spreadsheet, you think, oh, you know, that's negative because it's red. Actually, it wasn't. You know, it was just them changing the colour to make it look like it was negative and they're hiding things, you know. Yeah. There's all sorts of stuff they get up to. But um, one of the funniest ones is um, when I say to people, who do you have to protect your spreadsheets against? Some, uh, quite a large number of people in one firm said, the boss. <laughs> 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 and apparently... And I, I can't to this day believe he could do it, but apparently he used to prowl the corridors in the evenings and he'd go into people's offices and start using their computers and having a look at the spreadsheets and changing things. And I said, really? surely that's down to IT to stop them. You know, he, well, he should be able to do that. Why has he got access to their computers? And that's crazy. Well, having a, okay, having access to their computers, fair enough, everybody should, but everybody should have their own username and password. The data should have been stored on a server, but... Yeah. And it wasn't just one person. That was that was what was funny about it. It oh, was um, it was widespread, and they they all agreed with each other because I went, surely not. <laughs> You're just exaggerating. And they went, no. <laughs> so um, you know, we just. Oh man, clearly, clearly, he wasn't working hard enough on his own on his own job. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, would you want to go around reading other people's spreadsheets? I don't think even I would. <laughs> no, well, this is. <laughs> this, this is this is always this always prompts for an interesting conversation when uh when when we're talking to new businesses now obviously when you're doing the it support for an organization you end up with a lot of access to a lot of stuff yeah um and you know we we have to be quite conscious we don't go shouting about it we certainly sure as hell don't brag about it because people people get scared and twitchy but there's that one age old response of if you think about how much access we've got, I have zero interest in your spreadsheet. I couldn't yeah. care less because yeah. I haven't got the time. Yeah. To me, I, I have equally huge amount of access into what people are doing because they will show me and yep. I will retain it for about mm, five minutes and then it's gone. It's wiped. I, I regard myself as being a little bit like a doctor in that respect, that I'll yep. help with their problem and then I wipe it because my brain's not big enough to hold all their details. And I'm just, I, just don't <laughs> I can imagine those conversations. I so, to help Karen, I, I have a problem. <laughs> can you help? <laughs> You know, I, I did work briefly within the NHS for a couple of years and um, yeah. you know, you've got to be incredibly careful about the sensitive information. But it wasn't even a spreadsheet that got me into trouble with that. I was um, I was running some um, training for the sexual health clinic and uh, it, it was just very unfortunate that the filters picked up that I'd been having to access images, which they picked up. 
<laughs> they were for our training materials of what we were trying to show people on the software. Yeah, oh, I've I've heard of that before, Karen. That's a that's yeah. a really that's a really hard one where you've got to trying to genuinely get across content yeah. where the names and some of some of it some of the names of things are just so obscure. Oh God! Uh, not even in medicine either. Um, yeah. Oh, I mean, you know, I've, I train people in so many different sectors. It, it is very, very interesting, and you know, you have to sort of transfer your brain into whatever sector they're in because that's the way they think. But also, it's segmented a different way as well when you're training people about their job role and what they will need to know for their job. And sometimes there's a little bit of a lack of imagination about what they're going to want in the future. They only know what they want right now. And I've got to show them something to find out if it's interesting to them. So um, it, it can be pretty interesting. You know, there there are things that people could do that will really um, improve their productivity and make them more efficient, but they don't know it yet. So there's something called um, Solver in Excel where you can run multiple problems and you've got to not just know how the solve works, but you've got to, you've got to actually have a good real life example of it so yeah. when i'm teaching that i say to people right we are in the business of making widgets so here's the widgets that's how much they are now tell me how long is it going to be um how much money can you make what's the most money you can make out of this yeah. and um they they would sit there probably weeks trying out all the computations well solver will do it we tested it the other day five five seconds less than that two seconds in most cases that's amazing crazy. yeah that's crazy i think I think we might have to start so getting some of my it. forecasts in then. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's, it's lovely. I, I have a job where, you know, I'm doing some Word training next week. Um, yeah. I've got some Microsoft project training coming up. It's it's just, I my head does explode sometimes on all the depth of things, and particularly the pace of change at the moment is huge. So every day, Microsoft's bringing out new tweaks to the software, and I'm having to get ahead of the curve and know what's coming. So I'm having to look and see what the updates are, um, and when they're planning to come in and try and do a little informational uh, video for people, how to how to deal with that. So I did one last week on, on pinning emails, which is a tiny little thing. But goodness me, that isn't half going to be good. That's much more productive pinning, than flagging pinning the emails, pinning the emails. Yes. Yeah, so there's going to be a little pin at the top of your inbox and you can pin um, individual emails to the top of the inbox instead of having to flag them and put a date on for the flag and then go filter to find the flag. You just yeah. be able to stick a pin in. So they've got pins in other parts of Outlook. So you can always pin a contact, for example, somebody you're really interested in, pin them there. But this is one of the things that's just, just about to come out. Okay. So I'm, in, I'm intrigued then because um, how, people, how people use Outlook for me, sometimes I've got some people that are really, really organised and I've got some people that are absolute bloody nightmares. And I've got, and it always, it always, it always tickles me when talking about mailbox quotas um and email servers and when someone and i think the probably the biggest mailbox just off the top of my head 25 30 gig mailbox mm. and i i it's oh god I, I don't know where to i don't know where to start with it because the analogy that i use well it's like when you receive an email it's like the postman's putting a letter through your letterbox mm. and when you've got people with 25 30 gig emails it's like they're taking all those letters and they're just dropping them on the kitchen worktop and they're just letting them stack up and stack up and stack up. Do you know, my husband was like that when when I married him, he used to live in his own place over in Bangor. And when I when I went over there, he'd have a little pile of letters next to the letterbox. And I said to him, there might be something really important in there. Um, you're not going to look. 
And he said, oh, yeah, I'll get around to it. And I said, well, I'll, I'll look for you. He got around to it because he didn't really want me poking. Yep. So he had a good go through. And we found, for example, that he'd been ordering things um, like magazines that had been coming wrapped in cellophane for years. He'd never opened any of them. He's paying for those subscriptions. Um, yep. And it's exactly the same with email. Sometimes you are you're, you're paying for stuff. And you're not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I bet you. I bet you were popular for saving him a few quid on magazine subscriptions. <laughs> he didn't want to give him up. It was really funny. Buy me a bunch of flowers now. <laughs> oh, I wish. No, but um, you know what the answer is with with emails is is to set aside some time in your diary to actually go through and set up some rules. So. A lot of the things that go into junk that Microsoft sending you junk, you still got to look through it, haven't you, to to decide what to do with them. And you can't just unsubscribe while it's in junk. You have to put it in your inbox and they're going to get a, a flag to say you've opened it then. Yeah. So what I do is I just take some time and I go through it and I copy the link somewhere else to unsubscribe. And I, I do it that way because I've stopped the problem then. Um, but it's a chunk of my wow. time and I do resent it because I think I didn't sign up for that. Why have they sent it to me? But, yeah. you know. I think the solution there, Karen, um, is is a, is to have a good spam filter. Um, yeah, so, yeah. like our email runs on three six five, but we also pre we we pre filter it before it gets to the Microsoft stuff. So, I'm I'm quite glad. I'm quite fortunate. I can say I don't have much much of an issue with with spam. Um, I still do get people that email me completely unsolicited, but I think I think we're all we're all going to get that. Yeah, so get that. it's just the volume at the moment, isn't it? That um, you don't want to miss something good. Um, and sometimes I've had things that are genuinely from customers yeah. and genuinely wanting things, and they've ended up in my junk. So I do have to monitor it. But yeah. um, you can categorise things as well. So you can sort of put a rule in, categorise something as being something you're going to read later, put it into a subfolder in your inbox. And, and then yeah. if you ever get time, you go read it. If you don't, set, um, set an archive rule on it to empty yeah. it every so often. Because yeah. you haven't got, you've not got a long enough life to read all those emails, Chris. <laughs> no, well, you haven't at all. It's the, oh, what's the thing? It's um, do it, delegate it or delete it. Correct. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or, or defer it, schedule it for another day. Yeah. So, so. Here's a sad, here's a sad um, fact for you then. To, if you receive a spam email, time and motion, the cost for you to look at that email, decide that it's spam and hit delete will cost you about two pence. Yeah. Two pence per spam message. Mm-hmm. Or you can just do control A to select all <laughs> the emails, hold down shift while you hit delete and they don't even hit your oh, deleted item. They're gone, gone. Sorry? Email bankruptcy. <laughs> That's, that's no, what we that call that. No, I just, I just go in, I do Control-A, I have a quick glance, I don't read them, I know from who's sending them, do Control-A to select all of them, hold down Shift, delete, they're gone. Gone, gone, not just gone into the bins for me to go, oh, do I want to make a decision about this again later on? No, I made my decision, gone, that's it. So we had a customer who uh, would use, he would receive his email, he would do stuff with it, he'd then press Delete, it would go to the deleted items, but he would actually use deleted items as a repository for storing stuff that he might still want yeah, to go I've met back and look at. Like I've met people like that. Yeah, oh, I know. I know. And I get to see a lot of people like you do. I get to see a lot of people's inboxes. And I've done a lot of um, rollouts of, of new software and things like that where I'm going desk to desk with people in the old days. And, um, you know, it is quite an interesting thing to do when you do it because you really see how people are working and you see the difference because there are some people out there who never have anything in their inbox. 
they've got it so finely tuned yep. that they only have the current day things that are still to do. But what I'm doing is I'm tagging something for when I'm going to do it if I'm deferring it or yep. giving it a category so that I can, as I said, look at it later if I am genuinely interested but don't have time now. So I've got a lot of subfolders. <laughs> I was going to say, what does your inbox look like, Karen? How many messages Awful. you got in there? Awful, because it's do what I say, not do what I do, Chris. <laughs> yeah, OK. So I think I'm, I'm running at about 60 at the moment. That's that's awful. I'm really impressed by that. You must be really OCD. <laughs> um, generally, I think I've got generally something in my head. If it's been in my inbox for two weeks, it's never going to happen. Nothing's ever going to get done with it, um, which is not good. And then I just have stuff in there where it's like, actually, it's not important now, but I know in a few weeks time it is going to be important. Um, and I'm, yeah, I do have subfolders and... Yeah, I do. I do have and use subfolders, but just trying to remember where you've put stuff. I've got. I've got. I don't even know what day. We've I've, I've seen so much going on. I don't want to be remembering systems, what subfolder you know, I've there's, used. there's a there's a school of thought that you put um, an at in front of things, keep them up the top of the list, and and to do and and that kind of thing, and you just funnel yeah. things into that. If you're going to do something with it, you could try just having those four inbox subfolders um, of de do, defer, um, delete, and, and yeah. whatever else you want to say. You know, yeah. but. Um, I say I I work on a couple of systems really, which is probably why it's not so great. And as it as it is at the moment, because we are obviously here, I've yeah. been um, teaching people all over the world, and it's not a new thing because I used to do this. Um, used to work for one of the big drug companies, and I used to do massive webinars back yeah. about eight years ago. Um, but just recently, in the last six months, I've trained people in France, Germany, Belgium, USA, um, Peru. And last week, or this last week, South Africa. All from the comfort of Telford. Absolutely. From my prison cell. I mean, my lovely beach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's um, it's amazing the reach that you've got, you know, once people start to accept the technology. Um, and you can form, you know, associations with people that you would never meet face to face in real life. It'd just be too expensive, let alone pandemic wise. So, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. I've got some good collaborations going on with other trainers. And uh, yeah. that's always nice because you've got other people to ask if you don't know the answer. Yeah. And that's well, that's it. We don't know what we don't know. No, we don't. Who said that? <laughs> uh, a guy called Keith at a networking event. You're thinking of Donald Rumsfeld's known unknowns. That's what you're thinking about. Um, maybe. See, the thing is, though, Karen, how many on an average day, how many quotes and quips do you hear? Not that many, really. Not no. that many. I mean, no, not. Well, do you know what? I probably pick up more stuff like that in social media. That's probably where I go for that kind of thing. So if I've if I've really switched off from working work and I'm yep. just meandering through social media, so either Facebook groups that I'm in or on Twitter or something like that, um, trying to ignore all the idiots, you know, then I'm relaxed. Um, Instagram, a little bit less of that kind of thing because it's more picture based. But um, yeah. Yeah, certainly I'd say Twitter is an absolute fest of, of people quoting things at you. And I can't remember the last time I looked at Twitter, Karen. Yeah, I don't. You, I, I have got an official Twitter account for the business, but I just use it to sort of browse when I'm really bored. You know, I'm still doing something on my tablet or on my phone. It, it's in my yeah. hand. You know, and I think that's true of a lot of people. You've got some sort of device in your hand 24-7, haven't you? I try not to, but yeah. 
Yeah, I know. We we went away and had a holiday in the summer because we had a week off. I had to convince my husband. I booked a shed in somebody's garden in Wales and um, we sort of safely travelled there. The people social distanced when they showed us the place and it was absolutely brilliant. It was looked like the inside of a... Um, a sauna basically it was it all been made beautifully by this guy he built it in lockdown and he'd um, put two walls into his shed and he'd lined it with sheep's wool so it was snug he put a stove in there had a bed a shower a bathroom and a little kitchenette it was just a little shed it was like a TARDIS Chris you don't believe how big it was inside and when you open the doors double doors he just put the doors in the right spot so you could look through his garden up to the mountains and he, it was just a bit like Stonehenge in a way, because there was these cairns built on the top of the mountains. And he said, if you get here at sunset, he said, you'll see that the sun sets behind those cairns. So he positioned it just perfectly. And it was idyllic. And yeah, it was just a case of a digital detox and um, a bit of walking, a bit of fresh air. And, um, you know, I'm looking forward to going back again one day. I think I'll go back to that one. It was lovely. It was really it wasn't it wasn't plush. It wasn't high life. But it was it was just a, a bit of away from work and all the pressures of work. So, yeah, good. One of the questions that we're asking our guests who are coming onto the podcast this season is if you could take any one piece of technology and put it into room 101. Oh, one you want to throw away. Yeah. Okay. Well, what would it be for you? Mm, what would I throw away? I thought you were going to ask me what I would keep. What would I get rid of? My God, I don't know, because I love my tech um, and I, I've got that many, you know, techie backpacks to prove it. that I can carry them all around in and be swanky when I'm going somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not giving anything up, Chris. I, I'll keep it. I'll, I'm building another garage to keep it all in. <laughs> OK. okay. <laughs> well, just remember, Karen, you can't take it with you. I know my daughter said to me the other day, you do realise it's going to take a lot of skips to move all your stuff when you die. What? That's cheerful. <laughs> what? Yeah, that's, yeah. that's cheerful. You'd be like, yeah, thanks. Thanks for that. I've got another 30 years yet. <laughs> I was a bit hurt. I was hurt that she would actually throw it all away. You know, I was thinking, oh, please, come on. You know, you'd find something useful. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure there are museums that would take it. <laughs> <laughs> it's out of date after a couple of years anyway isn't it so yeah a couple of weeks at this rate isn't it oh it really is thank you for coming to record a podcast this afternoon karen you're very welcome i'm really grateful so if any of our listeners want to find out more about you and imagine training what's what's the best way to do that um well i've got a website um imagine biz at the end um they can give us a call on 01952581550 and they can drop me an email if they like karen at imaginetraining.biz so loads and loads of ways of getting hold of me (laughs) yeah absolutely so definitely uh for your for your free backgrounds for teams or actually go and buy some training on how to use teams and things definitely (laughs) definitely go and talk to karen karen thank you very much um to everybody listening thank you very much don't forget to subscribe and um look forward to um the next the next episode of control ball speak thank you very much thank you